Hello, this is Sekou Burmese, your host of The Lit Review, a podcast brought to you by the Academy of Management Journal. In this podcast, we dive into the insights of recent research published in the journal and interview authors and corporate leaders to discuss the inspiration for research ideas and how insights from this research applies to current pressing issues in organizations and markets. In this episode, the final for season two, I speak with Ron Burt, who holds two academic positions. He is the Charles M. Harper Leadership Professor of Sociology and Strategy at the University of Chicago, and he is a distinguished professor at Bocconi University in Milan. In our conversation today, we talk about a recent paper that Ron published in AMJ with co-author Song Wang about bridge supervision in organizations, which occurs when a manager and their boss do not share any strong, similar social connections. As you can imagine, as organizations have become more distributed, the chances increase for someone having a boss that is disconnected from their own social network. In this paper, Ron and his authors explore the extent to which bridge supervision can impact behavior and performance. We also discuss some of Ron's long-term concerns about remote work, as well as his sabbatical as an executive at Raytheon, and how that time informed his research, including the best way to fail in an organization. I hope that you enjoy this episode of The Lit Review and my discussion with Ron Burt. My guest today on The Lit Review podcast is Ron Burt, the Charles M. Harper Leadership Professor of Sociology and Strategy at the University of Chicago and a distinguished professor at Bocconi University in Milan. His research investigates the ways that social networks create competitive advantage in careers, organizations, and markets. Professor Burt has written many articles, many articles and books that have become foundational to theory and research on social networks in organizational theory, economic sociology, and strategic management. For this work, he has received uh, various uh, prestigious awards and distinctions, including being elected to the Fellows of the Academy of Management in 2016. Hello, Ron, and welcome to the Lit Review podcast. How are you, Seiko? It's good to be here. And thank you for running it. All right. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I will have to uh, uh, make sure I say Ron and not Professor Burt. I sat in on your doctoral seminar many, many years ago. And so uh, if I slip back into the Professor Burt, uh, forgive it. Uh, this when, is when I was at Kellogg. This is when I was at Kellogg. I, I was one of those people that were driving down uh, oh, in the snow wonderful. to sit in on uh, on your, uh, your doctoral universe. seminar. <laughs> All right. So I'd like to start by discussing uh, a recent AMJ uh, paper that you have with Song Wang that looks at uh, this concept of bridge supervision uh, in organizations and how it impacts manager behavior and performance. So before we get into the paper, I did want to ask, what got you interested in this topic of bridge supervision in organizations? From the first half of my academic career, I was just in sociology and taught at Berkeley and Columbia in uh, uh, sociology uh, and went through the usual classic works there, one of which is a study of marriages by Elizabeth Bott in the 1950s. And what she found um, very briefly uh, is uh, that in some marriages, the man does stereotypical male things and the woman does stereotypical female things. 
for example, the woman does the cooking, the, the woman cleans the house, raises kids, the man brings in money, the man makes major financial decisions, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she found was that she couldn't explain that with class, she couldn't explain it with education, she couldn't explain it with uh, income, but she could explain it with the surrounding network that when a man hung out primarily with male friends with whom he'd grown up in the neighborhood, there was this playing his role in the marriage to that outside group. The wife played to her neighbors and the mum. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And so Elizabeth uh, said, you know, men have mates and uh, women have mum. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it played out well. It's 1950s rigor, so you know mm-hmm. it's, it's written with big crayons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the the imagery absolutely makes sense, and you you hear it in a lot of places. And so for some time after I went into consulting, I um, was looking for where would this play out in in business. And uh, I thought of a variety of things: uh, country managers, you know, where they answer to another group in a different country mm-hmm. or project managers um, who in essence are like little CEOs and then they they answer up to another group that is completely separate. Mm-hmm. Both of those make sense, but they're specialized data and would be difficult to do. You could do a, a one-off study, but sure. not something that could turn into a meat and potatoes, kachunk kind of um, study. Uh, so I um, looked at managers from the consulting because I'd see that same sort of stereotyping, for example, uh, when you have a manager and a boss and the uh, manager is largely in a group that's separate from the boss. Sometimes they call them bungee bosses. You know, they just sort mm-hmm. of drop in and get pulled out. Uh, some of the characteristics that Bot described would be apparent. For example, the boss didn't get privacy in the conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person... The manager felt, well, he's an outsider. And what he said to me, I could talk with my colleagues about, even mm-hmm. if he said, don't mm-hmm. talk about this uh, mm-hmm. with, with anyone. One of the indicators of bots uh, uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this sense of two gene pools. You know, the, the boss had boss things to worry about. I had my things to worry about. He's not really human. Uh, mm-hmm. the way my people are. He's, he's a different kind of person. All these things were exactly that. So I think, well, let's let's see how it works. I first wrote a paper in um, 1998, and it worked perfectly well there, but it wasn't colorful. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then I wrote another paper with a different company in uh, 2017, um, and uh, it was better, um, but it was finance, and it was too specialized. Uh Uh, So then I thought, well, I've got these fantastic data that did well with the um, AJS paper in 2004 on ideas and structural holes. Yeah. said lots of people know that paper. Let's let's see if it works there. And that it's an incredible Seiko. I wrote this thing in two weeks because I'd already done it, you know, a couple of times before. Yeah. Uh, and sent it in and on the first submission. Yeah, this is a great paper. I, they made me you know, made the marinette, made his arms work. You know, As we are wont to do. Uh, it needs a polishing, uh, Professor Burt, but uh, and, otherwise. And it, it was good. Uh-huh. The, the uh-huh. reviewer was patient, but it just sailed in, and it sailed in quickly. So I was delighted uh, hmm. with it. And, you know, the, the things worked out well yeah. with it. Well, that's great. Okay. I mean, it's 
I always like to ask the question about how research gets, uh, you know, how, where that seed kind of comes from. And oftentimes we read classics in order to be inspired. And so this sounds like an example of you reading a classic and seeing a dynamic and then comporting it to you know, kind of your area and with maybe finer green pencils than were used uh, back then. But let me, uh, just a, a minor edit to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic, uh, it's true, what you just said, um, mm-hmm. but the classic was a handful of marriages. It mm-hmm. just would never come up. One of the appeals was something bizarre. Life on an asteroid has implications for life on Earth. Yeah, uh, I liked that sort of brokerage between two very different uh, ways of thinking. Got it. Understood. All right, so... Uh, we talked a little bit about it, but I, I always like to ask, what, what do you think are the key findings in the paper that you you hope that the readers kind of take away from it? Uh, the the one that's come up, but there's two layers. The first layer uh, is uh, sort of the summary one. This bridge supervision means that the managers in one social world, the bosses in another social world, and supervision is being exercised across that structural hole between the two worlds. I expected that to uh, result in degraded performance uh, because different interests would be served uh, and they'd be disagreeing frequently. Misunderstanding, perhaps, is a kind way to say it, uh, but it'd be inefficient uh, communication. I was surprised that it turns out it has nothing to do with performance and everything to do with style. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's an old finding in social psychology that humans are so adaptable that even if a network gets in the way of performance initially, people adapt to it, find a way to make it work, and then they reach the same kind of efficiency that Mm. people who could get there quicker uh, Mm. with a simpler network um, uh, would uh, do. So the thing I liked about this is the management style is well predicted, but it doesn't affect performance. And I I didn't expect that uh, when I... And I thought performance would be eroded. And did you, do you think this is, I, I like the idea of this adaptability, right? That people adapt around some kind of network constraints. So, you know, you study competitive advantage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you study competitive advantage. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of your 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 work is uh, cited because it's, well, certain structures are more advantageous than others. But it sounded a little bit like, you think that there's not a fleeting nature, but over time people adapt around these advantages. And so is that kind of the the way you see advantage take place from a network perspective? I think think there's 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 two elements to it. It's a it's a interesting and and wise observation, uh, uh, Seku. The the two bits are the bridge supervision doesn't affect performance when I hold constant your network. Mm. Uh, so you, your network is driving. Um, you know, cash evaluations, that kind of thing, which has been established over a lot of different um, yeah. uh, studies. It's just in addition, there's mm-hmm. nothing. And that's consistent with a earlier uh, theme in the Neighbor Networks book, uh, where the network around your neighbors doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's your network, which means networks aren't valuable for getting information. They're valuable for processing information. Mm-hmm. It's your ability to process diverse information, make analogies, uh, use metaphors to to communicate to people who don't understand one another. That skill is 
what is the target that gets the high salaries, the the perception of leadership, uh, the quick promotions. Got it. All right. Understood. All right. You said there was a second takeaway to the paper that, or second layer. Yeah. The second layer is more of interest to network people. uh, And it is when you look at the dyad of manager and boss, you've got three kinds of contacts in there. Uh, One is the boss's exclusive contacts. Another is the manager's exclusive contacts, and then contacts they hold in common. The leap of faith in the AMJ paper was what matters is the density of connections among the manager's contacts and the lack of mutual contacts. Okay, Mm -hmm. But there's actually six variables there. What about the boss's exclusive contacts? Are there lots of them or few of them? How connected are they? Yeah. Uh, the mutuals, how connected are they with one another? So there was this leap of these are the things that matter a lot. Just write the paper in a replication uh, paper that I'm writing uh, uh, with uh, Diego Janis here at uh, Bacconi. We get the same results, but we explicitly test all these options. And it turns out the things deleted in the uh, AMJ um, paper were exactly right that it's just those two things, the lack of mutuals and the manager's got a little constituency of mm-hmm. interconnected people, his mm-hmm. guys, which yeah. makes sense. Uh, but there's a lot of other options. So it's just clean. Yeah, no, that's great. And that you've run a replication on your own paper with a, a, another author, just to, to tease it uh, with, out a bit. Uh, with my own data. Uh, yeah. I, what I wanted to show uh, is that this is a generic uh, and in, in many of the papers, um, my sense is this came up in a, a conference where someone said, well, why did you do X? And I said, because I want a network variable that always works. And so I can break it down to its components. And sometimes A matters, sometimes B matters. But ABC put together always works. You can disaggregate later. First of all, <laughs> I want an effect. Uh, and that replication, I think, has been really useful for the structural tools. Yeah. Um, a story here i wanted a generic where i could just you wheel this out it's going to work i think there's a um you know one of the reasons that a lot of your work and, and others that are in that field there have been able to stand out is looking for these robust relationships that are repeatable and yeah. uh you know looking for uh this and you know we're, have, we're in the midst of a lot of um uh, I don't know how I would describe it politely, uh, a questioning of some of the effects that we have long held to, whether or not they can be re- reproduced. And so uh, I appreciate that viewpoint of trying to, at the onset, find something that you think will be robust. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, talk about the key findings. Anything surprising? I feel like you might have partially answered this uh, yeah. before, but any, any uh, additional surprising outcomes from the paper? The big surprise was that this segregation of manager and boss didn't affect performance. I like to think positive things about people, but I've met so many small-minded people. Um, you know, if, if if someone doesn't have much contact with an outsider, it's easy to discount them. Lord knows it's one of the evils in today's society of just discounting people you're not familiar with. So I really expected something, maybe not huge, but some sort of discount. I was stunned that it just gets wiped out. The only caution there is there's a huge effect from the manager's own network. Correct. So networking still matters, but this bridge 
piece. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to that uh, later. I think when we talk about the organization policy kind of angle of this. So I'd like to expand out uh, a little bit and, and talk more about this kind of evolving nature of, of social networks in, in the workplace. You know, one of the concerns about post-pandemic workplace changes is that uh, some of the behaviors that are being adopted might be really great in the short term. People love working from home. They love working in their pajamas. But there can be some negative long-term consequences to drastically changing the the social nature of, of organizations. In your paper, you find this bridge supervision, which happens more as you get more distributed, does not seem to impede short-term performance. What are your thoughts about longer-term consequences of bridge and of other sorts of uh, dynamics yeah. that are changing yeah. the social network? Uh, let, let's let's be clear on the nature of the non-effect on uh, performance. It is cross-sectional data in, in both of the, the, the studies I've looked at, but it's performance at the end of the year uh, versus the network at the beginning of the year. So it isn't right away, right? Mm-hmm. And networks involve a learning uh, curve uh, where you just because your network looks, you become a broker tomorrow, you're not going to see an effect of that. Mostly you're going to irritate people because you don't know how to work with people really different than yourself. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so who, who knows how long uh, that takes. The two study populations I've been in are fairly mature people, uh, average age, late late 30s or early 40s. Um, so they've been in the workforce uh, for a while. Uh, I can't say they've been with the same manager forever, but typically five to eight years. And you get to know a, a person yeah. and, and work around that that style. Um, so it isn't just short term. But having said that, the best study I've seen for consequences of remote uh, work is the, um, I think, 21, yeah, uh, the Nature article in 2021 uh, by a group at Microsoft that, uh, you know, the the, the study, yeah. uh, they compared people who work remotely with people uh, who were forced to work remotely after COVID, and they found people maintain their strong ties, mm-hmm. um, the bridging ties, uh, tend to dissolve yep. uh, because a lot of those were coincidental. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I met at a meeting. I didn't know you. I didn't go there to see you, mm-hmm. but you said something that I thought was really interesting. And so I pick up the conversation afterwards. Yep. That kind of tie doesn't happen typically. You're away uh, from the work site. And so their conclusion uh, in this very visible study was the erosion of bridging ties is going to affect innovation, um, the new products. I found that bold talk from Microsoft, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, Mazel Tov, it's a big yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Microsoft is one of the few companies that can say, we've been innovative and we've not been innovative and then innovative again. So we know. <laughs> we know. We know the ins and outs. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. So what's different here is we have concrete measures of performance. Hmm. And... It should have a consequence with the same sort of logic that the Microsoft study um, had, but it doesn't. And either people just get used to it and they'll 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 start creating these, or they weren't really that innovative anyway. The the, the failing bridge ties are capricious bridge ties uh, that they don't really use as a broker. You know, mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur and hungry. Um, you may build those ties regardless of whether uh, you had that accidental meeting. I don't know. Yeah. But I am sanguine about the uh, remote work. 
Now mm-hmm. let's back off uh, from that mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, say, okay, well, let's suppose this becomes the way it is. There's a, a fly in the ointment that no one's talked about. And that is being a broker is associated with high promotion, uh, high odds of promotion, uh, high comp- higher than peer compensation, more credit for being innovative, just pretty much however you measure performance, brokers do better. Mm-hmm. But a person who stays a broker through time gets no benefit from it. You have to oscillate in and out of a closed network. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I would see suffering uh, from those casual bridge ties uh, starting to fade is that people won't learn failure from trying to coordinate with people different than themselves. It'll be over wires that we already know because yeah. time pressure, we got to get this done. Um, how are the kids? You know, how's Mabel? All this kind of, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But a lot of brokerage is the skills of engaging brokerage when these two people don't understand one another. Classic move of broker at a conference. I think you two guys are talking past one another. He's saying this, you're saying that. That's the same thing. Well, why didn't he say so? It's a, it's a lovely a move. Yeah. That's less likely to happen. Mm. And so this oscillation may become a problem where people become more rigidly or more stylistic. You know, I'm always in a closed network or I'm always, I'm always uh, a broker. I don't yeah. we're speculating, but it's an yeah. interesting situation. Oh, that's good. I, I, I had not thought of that. I guess my biggest thing has always been about the the value of social relationships at work, like non-instrumental relationships at, at the at onset. They seem non-instrumental and then later they have it. And uh, I talked to my students that are entering in uh, to the workforce and they don't have any friends at work. And I was like, what is the long term? Like now it's fine. They're climbing, they're doing whatever. It's like ah, an organization without friends, without a friendship network. What does that look like? And so those are the kind of questions. But what you're bringing up, I think, is also really interesting because the nature of that oscillation, right, which is which is a, a, a great way to think about. I was a broker and then I used that brokerage to then go into a closed network and make things happen. And they became a broker. Yeah, yeah, People yeah, aren't doing exactly, that necessarily the same. Yeah. Mm. And I put you a, a variation on that. Um, and we'll come to this um, later on. I've been fascinated with the the difficulty people have in learning from failure. And people in closed networks um, get a lot of support from their friends. Uh, I noticed this uh, when I came out of Chicago with my PhD in the job market. Folks from Harvard would give a talk and their colleagues would say, oh, it was a fantastic talk. My goodness, that's great. I came out of Chicago. My friends say, you could do this and it'd be better. You can do that and it'd be better. And it did get better. Yeah. And that having your failures, and failure is a, a big word for the little mistakes yeah. and things yeah. you can make to refine it. Um, but being having that hidden from you mm-hmm. or being given socially justified rationales um, by people inside a circle of supporters will make you stupid. Mm. Uh, so now comes the issue. Exactly along the line, let's say you have a handful of people you're routinely in contact with. Well, they want you to feel okay. Um, you're getting divorced. I never did see uh, what you saw in that person. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Almost like an echo chamber, but it's not exactly. a chamber. It's actually still a brokerage network, but it's still yeah. incredible. Yeah. All right. It's real interesting. All right. So 
aside from all the other things you've done, you've done you did something else that's that's really kind of remarkable. Is that in the midst of of your academic career, you you took a couple of years away, and you worked in a corporate job as a vice president of strategic learning at Raytheon for a few years. And I'm curious, you know, we dabble and we kind of sit in both worlds as academics and in business schools. But to to move back and forth, what things maybe did you see very useful as you translated them from one area to another? And it can be the academic into the corporate space or the corporate space back into the academic space. Yeah, yeah. no, they're, they're, it was wonderful. And I, I had two children going into nursery school. Uh, it was 25000 a year tuition for each of them. And I made 60000 so I could do that math. Yeah, sociology, yeah, no, it just didn't work. So I, you know, started doing some consulting, and did pretty well. Moved the family up to Greenwich, Connecticut. You know, had had had, had cash around, and then a friend um, invited me on a couple of gigs, and a really smart guy named Don Ronke, uh, and, and then he was an executive VP at, at Raytheon, and he he said, Ron, you, you think you're so clever about these things. Why don't you go into the real world? Let's see what you can do. Yeah. And uh-huh. I, you mentioned hubris. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and no, so I, I, I can run it, coach. That's okay. <laughs> so I, I I went in. So the, the initial was um, I wanted to rise up through vice president, which I was able to do, get a lot of things done, uh, which I was able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, added a layer of subtlety to the work that was totally missing. Mm. So in the work before I started consulting, I relied a lot on industrial organization data, you know, input output tables for networks or these little tiny, there's five people sitting at this table. What's the network look like? Mm -hmm. uh, Uh, Sort of the the early roots. When I went into the, to the consulting in particular with uh, Raytheon, um, suddenly I was living with the people and mm-hmm. it was just rich. You, know, you, you could see just some basic envy, greed, love, concern of achieving something. Mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff had been missing uh, yeah. before. Yeah. And so as I look back on the early books, they seem sterile. To me, mm-hmm. they were logically correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that sense in a lot of strategy work that it's mm-hmm. logically interesting, uh, but it's missing the humans. And then structural holes was the first shift over. But that book has two parts: the industrial organization part and the human uh, networks part. Same principles working, but one's alive, mm-hmm. and the other one is sort of this this archaeological uh, study. Of, mm. and, and they both work. Yeah. Uh, so one piece was that. Yeah? Got it. But then after I was in, I'm not good at taking orders from people <laughs> who should not have senior positions. I was waiting for this one. Yes, please continue. <laughs> and you know, I, I've known a bunch of different deans and a bunch of different university presidents. Good guys. They put in all this time, um, but they are servants of the faculty, right? Mm-hmm. Without the talent. And this is just an administrative um, uh, a structure. Mm-hmm. They don't always see it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think as you move down levels of organization, uh, if we're straight of universities, yeah. it really gets crazy. So that was something that was really strong in mm-hmm. 
the business world. Sure. People who, by dint of friends, sucking up where you went to school, um, you, you'd have people at senior levels who just had no business uh, being there in a quality market. So coming back to academe um, was a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, with all the miseries, it's I like posing, creating my own puzzles and solving them. But it's a, it's a wonderful learning curve. Yeah. I would recommend it to anyone. You go out and do some time. Do some, do some time. Uh, we, got, we have to work on that phrasing. People need to do time like in prison. It. Yeah, do <laughs> an externship or something. No, that's that's great. Uh, I have the 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 benefit of tons of friends that I came up with that are now all executives, and I can kind of live vicariously through them, and I give them a lot of free, sometimes unsolicited advice. But I haven't gotten the bug to actually step in their shoes because I do realize it's a it's a different ball game. But um, that's that's really wise. And I also too don't ever want to have a boss again. <laughs> All right. So I want to close us out on on two questions, um, and these are ones that I ask all of my guests here. The first is thinking about what's piquing your curiosity right now. Much of our field is driven by phenomena that we see that maybe we don't understand or we think is misunderstood. And so what are some things that are piquing your curiosity right now? I think the the, the strongest provocation uh, is taking the work on networks and trust and using it to predict trust beyond the network. Uh, we, we don't study that in network uh, analysis or network theory because we don't have data on it. But by marrying network structure with economic behavioral games, uh, you can do some fascinating um, work. Some of that has been done with cluster samples. You know, here's a village uh, and then you do something. But a piece I uh, published in, I don't know, 21 or 22 in org science, forgive me. We are happily you, happy to have things at anywhere as long as it's published somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, it just shows very sharply that people in closed networks are suspicious of people outside to the point of they abuse them. Yeah? Mm. So they they exploit them, uh, take the money and run. Uh, and the worst of all are people in closed networks who by accident got successful because mm. they think what they had is why they were successful. You know, everyone successful thinks I'm successful because of what I did. Internal and attribution, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just damn lucky, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but putting that aside, uh, so there's a series of projects going on in, in France and Germany and Italy, uh, uh, England. How general is the phenomenon shown there, and how can we use that to improve trust beyond uh, the the network? The problem with this, and, and of course, when I say that, it's interesting as a little project. Yeah. But we're talking Palestine. We're we're, we're talking the, the rise of the right uh, mm-hmm. in, and then Trump issues in in the U.S. Mm-hmm. There's a whole set of things that are rude to talk about uh, yeah. that we won't. But where there's a hatred uh, uh, for things you don't even know, you've mm-hmm. just heard about. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's depressing. It's just really depressing. Yeah. I don't see an easy fix uh, on on that. I've I've heard of some simple ones, but they. They're not compelling. So the other piece I focused on is failure. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we, we we touched on that. And that's much more tractable and somewhere I can do some good, uh, I think. Just make, be careful about that supportive person. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you need the ego boost muzzle top. I, I'm glad mm-hmm. you got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then go home and think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I think about how organizations, you know, some of my executive development now here at, at UNC will go in and they're like, hey, we want to be innovative. We want people to be innovative. And I always ask them, I was like, all right, when someone fails, what happens? And then there's a lot of like looking around, just quiet. And I was like, well, until people feel comfortable explaining what happens, I think you're going to have an innovation issue, right? And this goes to this idea of how, how to learn, how to fail. Uh, and learn from it, which I think is a real big topic. I, I, I put you a, a piece of that. I know we're 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 tight, yeah. um, but I've often used people who are successful change agents to point out avoid the high politics. Uh, so when I did a lot of executive, but I'm not doing it uh, now. When I did a lot, there would be that response that you just mentioned, that sort of deer in the headlight uh, kind of kind of look. Mm-hmm. But they were trying high politics. You know, we're, we're going to change the strategy or we're going to um, uh, create this new organization unit. And I said, hold back. That means failure is going to be huge. You want to do something where you can get little errors and learn from them. Yeah? Uh, mm-hmm. And IDEO is fantastic uh, for this. Just generate three alternatives. Pursue all of them. Sufficient to learn which one looks dead. The MOD, Ministry of Defense in England, early on, in the early 2000s, had a motto, do a little, learn a lot. Rather than trying to plan out for the next five years, mm-hmm. do a little and go down this uh, decision tree um, and see where the errors are. And it, it also exposes you, of course, to variation. Yeah. No, that's great. I might I might uh, w- weave some of those insights into my, uh, to my next class. You know, I'll give you a proper citation, but uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, So the last question um, is about fun stuff. So what are you reading, consuming um, right now for fun, not work related, not networks related? It can't have a network in it. It has to be completely Ron Burke kicking back fun. Doesn't happen. Um, uh, So no, come on. Current book is failure uh, and it's a, it's an airport uh, uh book oh, yeah. uh-huh. it, that's that's like it's got no networks uh it's it's full of platitudes um but there's these little anecdotes and those anecdotes that's one of the things i picked up in business a little story can really drive home a point that you're confident about yeah uh, so that's as light as it gets all that right our t-ball <laughs> 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 so, so no no uh young adult fantasy novels no no uh, no no uh, um i did like sorry for for those Loser. on the podcast hold on before those on the podcast no, no. i i've been sitting with robert here he's so his background is a thousand books like literally a million books behind him. i've never seen a bookcase and he was turning around he pulls out one what is this book you're pulling out called loser think loser think by um, oh, Scott, Scott Adams. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's guy. a fun one. Oh, it's 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 wonderful. But okay. there, you know, it's on some of my teaching slides because it's people living in closed networks who yeah. can't see alternatives. All right. Well, I, he, he is a cartoonist, so I will consider that fun reading. Done. We did it. All right. Um, Thank you, Ron, for your time uh, and this really insightful conversation and hopefully get to catch up with you at uh, at some point at a conference uh, or something uh, soon. Maybe Chicago. Maybe Chicago. I'll be there next summer. All right. I'll see you there. You take take care care of yourself now. Thank you. 
All right, that's it for the lit review. I appreciate Ron Burt for his time, and I appreciate you all for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Lit Review Podcast. You can find us uh, at The Lit Review and AMJ Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms, as well as on the AMJ homepage. You can also follow us on Twitter. We have a weekly Twitter Spaces show called AMJ Radio Live, which is hosted by the AOM Connect account on Twitter. I'll be joining the show once a month to provide a behind-the-scenes look at how the podcast was created and answer any listener questions. This is our final episode for season two. It's been a great season. Uh, We're going to take a little break, and we will be back with more in 2024. I want to thank the Academy of Management for their support for this podcast. Special thanks to my producer, Holly Fearing, for all of her work behind the scenes. Our theme music is produced by Key to Life. This is Sekou Burmese. See you next time. Take care and be good.